Coming up on today's show... It's quarantine week 75. I haven't left the house in nine years. My kids are applying to colleges and my beard looks like James Harden's. Austin Hooper joins the show to talk about becoming the highest paid tight end in the NFL. Uniform reactions, gold bars, garage shaming, and defending Jameis Winston. All of this and much, much more on a Fortune 500 World's Richest Podcasters award-winning edition of T-Homa Hooper Hawk Show! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Tomahawk Show, your favorite podcast in the history of audio. I am joined today. Actually, this is a special edition because it's not the Tomahawk Show. It is the Tomahawk Hooper Show. I need a, I need, I need a cooler name there. Tomahawk Hooper Hawk? We'll work on it. Anyway, we are joined by Austin Hooper, the new Cleveland Browns tight end, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons. He joined us today on the Tomahawk Show, along with always the humblest of all co-hosts, Joe Thomas, the first offensive lineman in NFL history. I would ask Joe how he's doing, like usual, but since we have someone on the, the podcast who's way more important, I'm going to start with him. Austin, welcome to the Tomahawk Show, brother, and how are you doing today? I appreciate you guys for having me. I'm doing well. Just uh, hanging out here in my parents' garage and uh, relaxing. <laughs> so little backstory to, to this actual episode um so the quarantine for me has been kind of crazy it was boring and then now like things have picked up where i have a bunch of shit to do and john our producer was up my ass about recording this podcast today and they wanted to do video and i'm like i don't want to do video i'm in my garage i don't want to be the guy in my garage on the podcast while joe is in one of his six estates um and he's like nah it'll be fine now i feel silly for not i've kicked my family out of my house and I'm, I'm literally in my living room. I forced them. They're outside, like, just twiddling their thumbs. And now I feel silly that I didn't go from, from the garage like you did, Austin. No doubt. I mean, my dad's still got conference calls and everything going on in the house. So I'm like, all right, the office is taken. Got <laughs> to make it work. So the garage is my dojo for now. How, how do you play second fiddle to your dad right now? So you're still getting kicked out of the garage like back in the high school days? <laughs> hey, man, he makes those house payments, not me. <laughs> hey, So that, that's a great question. What have you been doing during the quarantine and where have you been spending your time? Uh, so I was back and forth in between Atlanta. And then once things started to get obviously a lot more severe than all of us anticipated, I ended up staying here in California. And then from there, I've just been doing what I can for training. Luckily, there's a park a couple blocks around the corner. For example, like my brother and I today like did some sand pit work. So there's there's a lot of things around, luckily, that I can keep myself in shape. But, I mean, obviously, would like to be in a you know structured football environment again you know, when, when the time is right. So, so you're, you're, you're a tight hey, hey, Stop no, cutting no, me no, off, well, I got a great go. follow-up question. I know you do, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off really quick, and I'm going to say for anybody listening, make sure you follow us. On social media, interact with the show at Tomahawk Show, Reddit, Twitter, and Instagram, Tomahawk Show. Join our Facebook group, Tomahawk. Hit the voicemail lineup, 440-628-1376. I got to pay the bills, Joe, so I got to get that out the way. Now the floor is yours, brother. Shameless plug. I love it. You got yes. to gotta do yes. it, Austin. This is media. This is the world we live in now. No question. Without those millions of ad dollars, this show is not possible. So we want to make <laughs> sure that... Hawk's beautiful dual set is available to millions of Americans through these difficult times. But more importantly, I got to know, being a tight end, being a physical tight end, you actually were a guy that out of high school recruited to play defensive end. So 
you like to get after people a little bit. That was one of the things that the Browns were excited about when they signed you was being able to seamlessly fit into their wide zone, aggressive run blocking scheme and catching the football. But Diggity. do you have a weight room? Like if you're going to the park and jumping around in the sand pit, that's great for the beach body. But are you going to be able to keep that physical imposing <laughs> presence of yours during this quarantine if you don't have any weight room? There, there's still a weight rack here in the garage. I still get my work in. Don't worry. I still, oh. still get it in, but I mean, obviously would like my facility back when it's time, but um, yeah, I'm getting in the right amount of work I need to, but. Such an offensive lineman question. Yeah, no question. He's like, how how much you bench, bro? <laughs> I'm so excited because uh, Hawk is really, he's twisted my arm during this quarantine to start posting some of my workouts and some of the videos of my workouts. So now I'm like a geek. What does your workout set, setup look like? Is it like your dad's old stuff from when he was in high school? Or did you get some new age stuff delivered when you got into the NFL? Oh, no. I mean, there's a local facility here that obviously had to shut down. So I, I know the owner. So I just grabbed one of his barbells, grabbed like 100 kilos <laughs> in weight. Boom. Nice. Throw it in the garage. There you go. When you're done, when we can all return the gym, return it. Boom. You Save can't myself buy a thousand dumbbells. Bucks. You can't. It's like a library. You can't. Dumbbells are like toilet paper right now. You can't go to a store. You can't get on Amazon. There are no dumbbells for sale on planet Earth. No question. No question. Even a yoga mat isn't even on Prime anymore. That's when you know it's bad. <laughs> That's when you know it's real. Those take like six cents to produce. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you're in the quarantine, you're training, you're getting ready. You went through free agency while everything was shut down. What was that process like? Because, I mean, like for fans. Hawk, it was strange, man. It was, it was yeah, very strange. Yeah, give it to me. Give us details, bro. Well, yeah, I'll just explain it. For Normally, as you know, like after you sign somewhere, you have the period where you obviously get to go to the facility and go through that whole process mm -hmm. coming in before even free agency started. Obviously heard about things going on in China. It was only a matter of time before it, you know, came here. But obviously, you know, none of us were, you know, thought it would gotten to the level it has been now. Uh, so going through that whole process, it, it was it was weird. Bunch of teams I thought were going to be there turned out to be a few. But yeah. at the end of the day, Cleveland uh, was by far the best choice for me. Mm. One of the interesting things about this free agency was the inability to go and do medical evaluations. For a guy like yourself who's resetting the bar for tight ends, signing a huge contract in Cleveland, obviously the Browns are committing a lot of money to you. It's a big investment. They usually want to have their medical staff be able to put their hands on you in a uh, non-sexual way, of course, to be able to check you out, <laughs> make sure that you're going to be healthy for the length of your contract. So. Was there any issue during free agency of teams wanting to be able to get their medical staff to see you? And do you think that maybe affected some of the way that free agency unfolded? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I mean, you know, knock on wood, I've been pretty healthy throughout my career. So outside of a little MCL deal here and like a, a AC, little light AC deal on my shoulder, there wasn't, you know, luckily much that the doctors had to really go look for me. So, I mean, it wasn't as much of a deal in, in my specific case, but I'm sure it definitely did affect guys across the league. Yeah. I mean, if when you, when you're talking to a guy like Joe, who has, who's known for his brittle triceps, um, <laughs> and it's, it's why he, he's in the yeah, podcast maybe. game. That's Those right. questions are going to come up. Uh, so Austin, all right. So you signed with Cleveland. What was it about Cleveland that, that you were like, Hey, I know this is the place for me besides the Brinks truck of money that they dropped off at your dad's house. That never hurts. Yeah, that, that I'm sure that, was a great point. That's actually why he's in the garage right now is because the gold bars have filled up the inside of the house and there's actually no exactly. room for them to sleep anymore. Man, I, I knew it was such a unreal opportunity for me because, I mean, just taking a look at all the guys on offense. I mean, Hawk, you're a receiver. Imagine, like, having guys like that around you as well. That will mm. always allow you to have premier matchups, one. 
Yep. I mean, the run game is great. Added some great O-linemen through the draft and through free agency. And, I mean, just taking a look at the offense, it was just too exciting with an opportunity to pass up. Did you get a chance to talk with Kevin Stefanski or Andrew Barry before you signed with the Browns? Like, what was their sales pitch? That's my question, I guess. I mean, a lot of the conversation at the time, I mean, until legal tampering or once legal tampering began was... Of course, nothing illegal happened. Obviously through my agent. So, I mean, I couldn't really speak to him directly because the whole situation happened so quickly. But once I agreed to terms, obviously then got to speak to Mr. Barry, speak to Coach Stefanski, speak to, you know, Drew Petsky, my tight end coach, AVP, the OC. I mean, talk to all these people that normally I would get that face-to-face to inside the building. So... I mean, it's definitely a strange time from that aspect, but I'm just I'm just ready to go back to work when we can. One day when you retire, I want to ask you about like the un the unfiltered version of free agency. Like for me personally, I'm I'm not gonna put any teams out there, but stressful. I mean, I was talking to teams weeks before I was allowed to talk to teams. That was just my experience. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but no. this is this is the league. So my question, my my follow up question is: you you picked Cleveland, but what other teams were you considering? Really, Washington was the the uh, definitely the second team on that list. I mean, I really mm-hmm. like Dwayne Haskins. I mean, I I really enjoyed that they're they're young, athletic group of route runners that they have up there. And I really think having Coach Rivera. I mean, having guys who come through the Falcons locker room who played for Ron Rivera in the past. Say he's you know mm-hmm. consummate players coach. He throws a lot of bones to his guys. So, I mean that that was definitely a selling point for me. But at the end of the day, the Cleveland opportunity was just way too enticing. Now, that makes sense. I mean, there was a story going around that Jordan Cameron and Gary Barnage influenced your decision. Is is that true or is that folklore? 100% true. I mean, I was with them. I was with both of them in Europe for over a week. So, mm. I mean, I was with yeah. those guys all day, every day. So, I mean, they're definitely pouring the honey in my ear for sure. They definitely, <laughs> uh, they definitely made it, you know, definitely made it compelling, obviously. What did they say to you that sold you on Cleveland? Because sometimes a perception outside of the guys that have played there. Yeah. Besides the weather, there's a (laughs) national perception like, Oh, free agents. They don't want to go to Cleveland because there's dysfunction and it's not one of the biggest cities with the most nightlife in the country. But you talk to pretty much everybody that has played there. And that's not the perception of guys that actually played there. They love the organization. uh, They love the city. They love playing for those fans. They love playing in a little bit of bad weather outside of Hawk. But I'm curious, yeah, what what were they selling you on Cleveland? Everything you just said. I mean, especially the, the city and the fan base. They said, you know, Jordan played on different teams. Gary played on different teams. They said it was just special there. I mean, I remember going up to Cleveland and losing in Cleveland and seeing the fans that were in those stands, you know, rooting for their guys. So, I mean, that was definitely something that stood out to me that I saw firsthand, and Gary and Jordan just validated that. So, definitely a big part in my decision was was the fan base. You know what I'm just realizing? I think the game that you went up there might have been the Tomahawk Day at the Browns. Was that, is that true? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was against the Falcons. <laughs> remember I said... The Browns are going to crush the hapless Falcons over the uh, loudspeaker, like in between the third and fourth quarter. And you were like, ooh, that may have been a little bit too rough. Like, hey, you might have overstepped the you line. You might have uh, just went over the board a little bit there. It, uh, it comes full circle. <laughs> That's it right. comes full That's right. circle. I love man. it. Now, I got to ask you, I think your rookie year may have been Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Drink. Correct? I knew that was coming. Drink. Holy yes. shit. 
<laughs> so we have a drinking game on the Tomahawk podcast. I know you are a big fan, so you know that. But every time one of us mentions <laughs> Kyle Shanahan, who is both of our favorite offensive coordinators that we played for, we we have to drink because this is a perpetual drinking game called life. And I'm just curious, were you interested or excited about playing in that same scheme again, coming to Cleveland and playing for uh, Kevin Stefanski, who actually ran that scheme in Minnesota? Or if you hate Kyle Shanahan's guts, you could also say that because that would also and then be a you really could drink good, again. Uh, sound bite. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I was definitely super excited being that style of offense again. Being with, you know, Kyle my rookie year, I learned so much. And being a part in that offense, just understand how everything works together in unison and doing it. I mean, especially, you know, my rookie year, I think we're what, one of the top 10 offenses of all time that year. Yeah. So, like, being around Kyle Shanahan and literally whatever he said was going to happen actually did happen. <laughs> no, it was, I'm sure you guys, you guys been around him, too. So, I mean, Dude. it was just wild. So, being in that offense, all I have are great memories. I'm looking forward to get back in that outside zone scheme because, you know, it it makes a lot of sense just the way you can tie in the play action with the run game, and it's hard to stop if it's done correctly. You're a smart guy. You went to Stanford for college. I'm interested from a passing game perspective. What's your favorite thing about the offense that you're going to be playing in and the one that you played in with Kyle in Atlanta? Uh, I feel it's hard to speak on the offense – coming up this year just yet but in terms schematically i'm really looking forward to like the play action stuff that comes off of the outside wide zone game which coach Stefanski does a lot of i mean just when it for when you force the linebackers to overrun it just creates so much space for guys like hawk coming in behind on like a quick slant or something it's just different ways to manipulate the defense that also helps out the o-lineman so everyone's all in so i'm really looking forward to it Spoiler alert, Hawk never ran a quick slant in his entire <laughs> professional career because he was too afraid of getting murdered by the inside linebackers. Kick, kick, kick me to the sideline. The disrespect on this show. You see that, Austin? You see he was a better goes? blocker, though. Goodness gracious. All right, so you played in the Super Bowl your rookie year, though, when Kyle was there. Like, what is what the hell, what is that like? And, and and does that stink in, like, pain of, of taking I mean, I'll, I'll, that I'll give you. Off? I'll tell you the whole story. I mean, I'll describe it, Hawk, as the highest of highs and the lowest of lows within, oh, like, a four-hour window. But, like, overall, a great experience. I mean, like, growing up being a fan of the game, you're always in the backyard, like, dreaming that yeah. you can catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And I did it at, you know, I was 21 years old. So I was, like, at that point, like, no matter what happened, like, that's a memory I could have with me forever. I mean... Yeah, the buildup, the buildup. Everyone would ask me, "Was I nervous in the game?" Like the buildup was crazy. I mean, like media night, it's wild. But once you get to the football component, and the first time you hit someone, just melts away, and you're like, "All right, this is like my twentieth, twenty-first football game this year." Right. Yeah, like just so another you, game. It's just football as usual. So yeah. the thing that we loved about when we played with Kyle was his pump-up speeches the night before a game and his halftime. Unreal. Speeches, like. Like, he would get you so jacked up. So what was halftime like of the Super Bowl? You guys were in, like, a really good position. What was the messaging in the locker room? Like, what was Kyle saying to the offense as you guys were all huddled? No, up? but, I mean, it's different. Like, halftime's 40 minutes instead of 12 minutes. Ah, shoot. <laughs> so that's a factor no one that. ever thinks about. Yes, of course momentum changes in the second half. I mean, you have an entire half hour to study film. Like, mm. but... So Dang. here's how it worked for the uh, halftime. Like the first 15 minutes, coaches weren't allowed to talk to players and vice versa. Coaches and players go separate ways. And then mm-hmm. 15 minutes after that, come back together and you talk about what you're going to do. 
And we actually came out after halftime, and I think Belief scored right away or the next drive. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everything Kyle was talking about, we were ready to roll. Just you know, didn't get done. Is that a specific strategy to keep the players and the coaches separate for that first 15 minutes? I've never heard of that before. I mean, at that point, I think Dan Quinn went to the three of the past four Super Bowls at that point in time. So that's so, yeah, he had all the expertise. Yeah, yeah. Out. So I mean, we was with the Seahawks. That's kind of what they did. So, I mean, it, it's good too. I mean, I really, I mean, when you have that much time, like you got to find a way to break it up. I guess I don't know. That's how we did it anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, the the Browns uniforms came out today. Uh, do you have any? opinions on the browns are you just like yeah i don't really know because it's, it's weird because we're all jacked up about the new uniform because when i first came to cleveland and joe was there what for like 50 years um and <laughs> when i came there were the old uniforms and then they went to the new ones that eh, we weren't so excited about so now they're back to like the old style as someone who is new the, coming into the, the stripes team, yeah that's, yeah that's like clean. the og style man i like you know that what I mean? like, you i like do them? like i do like them and it's a weird question to ask because it's not like you can be like yeah the, the uniforms suck no, I do. I do like it. I mean, again, like I have no reference points to like these jerseys. They they look good to me. Yeah. But, like man. I don't know about the history of the jerseys as much. Joe, what is your opinion of the jerseys? Honestly, everyone always asks me because I was there when I first got there. They had the old jerseys, like you mentioned. Then we switched it up. And as an offensive lineman, I think Austin, you know Alex Mack pretty well. He was my best friend in the NFL. We had him on the show last week. And they always ask us, like, oh, what do you think about the helmets? What do you think about this and that? And I'm like, honestly, I could give one crap less about anything (laughs) superficial. If it doesn't help me play better, I don't care. I don't occupy one drop of brain cell space in my brain on it. And so really, if the players like it and the fans like it, I'm all on board. And so far, what I've heard is some really positive feedback. Like Hawk mentioned, when they switched the uniforms, it was a little bit more lukewarm, but it seems like when they switch back and they just announced it today, overwhelmingly people are excited about it. So if the fans like it and the players like it, I'm all on board, but I don't waste one second thinking about it. Joe, give, give uh, Austin some Cleveland advice. Give him, give him some advice. You're the OG Cleveland guy. He's coming to play in Cleveland. You give him some advice that he can take, and then I'll give him some real advice that he could actually use because <laughs> yours is going to be terrible, but go ahead. Here's terrible, lame dad advice, and it was the advice that I got when I was a rookie coming into Cleveland. Joe Jervicious was the OG receiver. He had already played like 11 years. He won a Super Bowl in Tampa, went to another one in Seattle, and he was from the east side of Cleveland, and he told me, he goes, look, these Browns fans, they're the most loyal and passionate fans in the country. He says, they want to win, but that's not the only thing that's important. All they want to see is a bunch of dudes running around, playing hard, giving great effort, because that's a reflection of who they are in the city. It's just a bunch of blue-collar dudes that love football. They love the game. They work hard, and they want to see a reflection of themselves on the field. They don't want to see a bunch of softies out on the field running around, tiptoeing down the sidelines. They want to see good smash mouth, old school football. They want to see it in the rain, the sleet, and the snow, and they want to see you give great effort. If you do that, winning is just the icing on the cake. And so what we did is we promptly went out and we won 10 fucking games that first year. And then after that, I proceeded to rattle off 10 straight losing losing seasons and win 10 more games in the next 10 seasons. But you know what? I gave great fucking effort every single time. I got really dirty on the front of my jersey occasionally because I usually fell once every four or five games. Uh, And that was usually with a pancake or maybe celebrating an uh, Andrew Hawkins pancake. But uh, that's that's my lame advice. And 
It's actually true, but nobody wants to hear it. So go ahead, Hawk. Give him some real good advice. All right, here's the real advice. Don't read anything in the media, right? Oh, that's real unique to Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But go play for the Giants and read everything that they say in the New York Post. <laughs> no, I mean, just in get, general. Get the fuck out of here with that lame, lame ass No, it's, it's legit, dude, because I'm telling you, I mean, Cleveland fans, they are a tough-ass bunch. And everyone has tough fans. But I just feel like Cleveland fans, and I feel like they'll attest to this, they give a shit more than 99% of the fans in the league. And even though they're L's, like, when we were losing, they still show up to even to boo us. If we sucked, they're going to come tell you you suck. If you're doing great, they're going to tell you you're great. If you do marginally well, they will build a statue for you. I can remember in 2014, <laughs> we were 7-4. and four, and we had a statue to, built. And I started six statues. Joe's in 10 <laughs> Hall of Fames and he has 10 career wins. So think about that. But we went to the Cavs game and I went like that was a year LeBron came back. And just walking around the cat, I felt like a real life celebrity. And I had never felt that before. I played in Cincinnati. I was like the third or fourth receiver there. And we were seven and four. And they, they were like, as I would walk into different spots of the arena, they would stand up and give like rounds of applause because we were like good. And I didn't realize how big of a deal it was to him because, you know, again, I was coming from a playoff team. Um, so putting that kind of effort in, man, but even just distancing yourself and just focusing on the football, like like Joe talked about to, to measure it back, like that's really all they they give a damn about. But they could be brutal. They could be brutal. That's that's real advice, but that kind of goes for any NFL city. Like, True. don't worry about what the fans and the media say. Just focus on doing your job, being the best version of yourself and the best team that you possibly can be. But here's uh, a interesting tidbit about Cleveland that you may or may not know, but Hawk was talking about LeBron came back. They won the NBA basketball championship. Um, the city went crazy. They had a parade. It was a big deal. But this is something that I was told when I was a rookie because the Indians had either just made the world series or they were uh, about to make the world series, but the Indians were really good. The Cavs were really good because LeBron was there. He hadn't left yet. Um, and the Browns, we kind of stunk, but everybody said to me, they go, that's great. This town is a pro sports town. They love their Indians. They love their Cavs, but there's a different level of passion for the Browns. They said, mm -hmm. if the Browns win a Super Bowl, this place will burn to the ground. Everyone's excited <laughs> about the Cavs, but it's a different thing. This is a football town. So no just think about how cool it was when everybody saw the Cavs win their championship and how the cities was excited. Yeah, and it's a different level. Like you will be a king for the rest of your life. You will be crowned every time you walk into the city if you yeah. guys are able to bring a Super Bowl to Cleveland. The fans are just that passionate, and they've never won a Super Bowl. You don't have to follow up with anything. Don't, don't <laughs> yeah, I was about to say there's nothing. There's nothing else that needs to be said after that. <laughs> are you looking for the perfect gift for mom or another loved one? Nowadays, staying in touch with the ones we love is more important than ever. And the easiest way to do it is with Skylight, a photo frame you can email photos to anytime from anywhere. I'm not able to visit my mom and dad or my grandparents as often as I'd like to, which is why I love the Skylight frame. It's a touchscreen photo frame you can email photos to and they appear in seconds so mom can see your favorite moments. Skylight frame has a gorgeous 10-inch touchscreen where you can swipe through photos with your finger and tap to thank the person who sent the photo. You can even preload it with your favorite photos for a special Mother's Day gift. Their customers love Skylight. One Facebook review said, This is such an isolating time as we are just trying to keep my grandma safe and healthy. But this gives her a little glimpse of us every single day. Now, as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash hawk and enter code hawk. That's right. 
To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash hawk and enter code hawk. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash hawk. Uh, anyways, something more interesting than uh, winning Super Bowls, I guess, maybe, maybe not. Off-season <laughs> workouts. I know that supposedly you guys kind of started your off-season workouts this week doing like Zoom meetings and stuff. I'm just curious wow. how that how that is working out because that has to be so interesting. Trying to get 60-plus uh, knuckleheads all on Zoom at the same time. Trying to listen to a coach give boring <laughs> talks in the off-season that most people don't pay attention to anyway. Yeah, definitely a... Uh... Definitely different procedures, both, you know, than uh, how, how it normally is. I mean, it's just so weird, again, like, talking to someone over Zoom instead of being there, you know, in the meeting room, being able to write your ideas down and go back and forth over it. But, I mean, kind of something I had to do uh, before or right after the draft because I went to a school that has a quarter system. So, I had to kind of do the same thing uh. before my rookie year. So, kind of, in a way, like, I've I've done it before. So, I know it's, you know, obviously not as good as being in person, but still you can at least understand the verbiage and you know, how, how we want to do things. Have the Browns sent you a playbook yet? Yep. No, they gave me a playbook. So I just tried to go over there, just looking, looking through a lot of those past concepts, you know, going through the outside zone game a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Do they do just like, uh, like playbook installation kind of stuff? Or are you guys doing like the strength and conditioning stuff too? Like as a strength coach on zoom, Taking you through a workout. Like, All right, push-ups. All right, no, no, no. Straight coach Two. hasn't been on there right, with me. Sit-ups. No, definitely okay. set like a general fitness pack and a lot of the stuff that they're doing in terms of conditioning and the exercises I'm doing on my own anyway. So I just, I just throw them in to supplement it. I'm curious to see like what kind of effect this has on like football. I guess it's similar to the lockout year, right? Because we didn't really do like we were on our own then and. I mean, a lot of guys were getting hurt after that that year. I felt like a lot more than usual, but. Well, one of the big differences that year, though, was most guys went back to their colleges. Like I went back to Madison. I worked out at Wisconsin. There was a couple other guys that were there and like people could get together. You could go to the weight room. Yeah. You could go to your trainer. This is totally different because. Yeah, no, life was still going on lockout year. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. he, he's he's right. stealing barbells and dumbbells from like the local <laughs> high school. Yeah, man. To I'm try to get a pump. Steal in. from my neighborhood weight room here. Clorox and dumbbells in the garage, man. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting. I know one of the questions in my head when the Browns hired Kevin Stefanski, uh, the name I was thinking of was Gary Kubiak. That was what I was searching for before. Uh, so he was sort of like the senior assistant in Minnesota with Kevin Stefanski the last season and introduced a lot of his concepts. But he did have experience in the West Coast system previously, I think, with Brad Childress. And so I was curious from a concept standpoint, obviously you don't have to dive deep into the playbook, but how similar is the terminology and the concepts to what you did when Kyle Shanahan drink was in Atlanta to what Kevin is doing now that you guys are together in Cleveland? Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of the concepts are verbatim, the same ones, it's the same names. They'll be across most systems like stick dragon Mm -hmm. or stick line, just different Mm -hmm. ones that are, you know, across regardless of what kind of system you run. But yeah, whether the names are the same verbatim or slightly a little different, they're achieving, you know, trying to achieve the same goal by just using the run game to create space and then attack the open space, dictating or based on what the defense does. So, Have you connected with any teammates? I've been talking to Baker. Been talking to Baker. Got David on uh, social. I mean, chatted with, texted with Odell one time. I, 
I'm just trying to be cool. I'm not trying to be that guy who's, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no. no groupies. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just uh, weird because normally I'd be, you know, you know what I mean? Like in person with everyone would actually get to meet people. So, I mean, you know, when it's time to go back to work, I'm going to see, I'm going to see all of them. Well, that, that's a great question because I would imagine being in free agency, the opportunity to play with a young up and coming quarterback like Baker Mayfield had to yeah. be intriguing. What Absolutely. are your thoughts about playing with Baker? I'm really excited. I mean, I, I really love his energy he brings. And when I was up there and we lost up there, just I think he was like 75 or 80 percent completion, had like three touchdowns. So, I mean, I saw him live and he was a true field general with it. I mean, just his composure, his ability to rally his guys and keep them going. Like, I mean, that spoke to me seeing it live in person and then just sitting back and watching him. I really like his release and think he's super talented. So, Normally, this time, I'd already be out there in Texas working out with them. But, um, you know, these strange times dictate me here in the garage. <laughs> I love it. Garage days. So you go, from, you go from one good quarterback to Baker Mayfield. And this is the question. I got a hard question for you because I like Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's a good player. My God. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't have him. I have him on the cusp of top 10. Where do you rank Matt Ryan in the league? What number? Is Matt Ryan to you? And I know that's your boy, and I know it's... That's my guy. You know. I mean, based on how he's performed, I mean, there's no way he can't be at the lowest, regardless of what any pundit has to say, he can't be lower Uh than seven. He cannot be lower than seven. Hawk's a pundit. He's a hater. There's no way. There's there's absolutely no way. There's no way. No way. (laughs) Name name six who've done what he's done over the past three years. He's he's officially... That's my guy, though. So, I mean, we're going to go yeah, back yeah, and no, forth for, for a while. Trust me. This is good. That's what we like. We like He's like, we need this content. We, <laughs> this is what Andy we Andy Dalton's my guy. I get killed by Joe, who, you know, I think Andy Dalton is a lot better than people give him credit I like for. Andy no Dalton. question. That's my guy. No question. And he got me paid. I, he has my loyalty. Well, so, yeah. where is Andy um, Dalton in the top 32? Who are you t- yeah, who are you since, talking to? Since huh? you're putting Austin in the corner, <laughs> yeah, I want to hear where Andy Dalton is. Well, here's my take. I think if you put Andy Dalton on the Falcons, he's Matt Ryan. So he's number seven. I think. I think situation has a lot to do with it. You know, yes, if I'm it ranking, does, of course, you're not answering the question. Where is Andy Dalton? Question? One to thirty-two. Press him, Give Joe. Me his rank. Yeah, you you ask Austin what Matt Ryan's rank was one through thirty-two. So uh-huh. I'm asking you that question. About, yeah, it's no fun with the seven. rabbit gets a gun. That's right. I'm fucking blasting your face off right now, Hawk. I got Andy Dalton top twenty. So he's number twenty. No, he's he's a teen. He's top twenty and he's not twenty. He's 19. Yeah. Because like you said, it's situation. But what I'm saying is right now, Andy Dalton doesn't have a starting job. So he's not in the top 32 by everyone else's standards. I think that is BS. I think there's starting quarterbacks that will start this year that aren't as good as Andy. If you want to get really crazy, Hawk, where do you put Jameis? That's that's where this rabbit hole goes really deep. I like it. (laughs) That's a good one because I also think I, I'm, I go back and forth because Jameis has the ability of a starting quarterback. I saw him twice a year for four years. Give it to me. What, do you, what is your opinion? Because you're an expert. This guy will make some throws like, one, some people wouldn't attempt, but two, will make it happen. Like, incredible. He, he throws 30 terrible passes a year. No, I mean, I've seen him twice a year. year? I've seen him games a where he, he's like on, on, <laughs> not throwing picks, just flinging it. And it's, it, it's How do you eliminate crazy. that thing, though? It's like a great running back who can't stop fumbling. How yeah, do you stop uh, that? Like, yo, it, there's, the game is riding so high on those few plays that your natural ability 
is now outweighed by the turnovers, and that's Jameis's problem. The turnover ratio, I feel like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but was the turnover ratio discussed as much like your rookie year? Because I feel like now they're drilling it into like Pop Warner kids' heads about turnover ratio and things like that. It's because of analytics. It's because analytics has realized how, like, that is such an important yeah. indicator of success or failure that they're realizing that that has such an impact on the outcome of the game that if they coach it, they're going to get more of it, more ball security. Yeah, and you got to be better right away, right? So it's like where Peyton Manning could break the record for interceptions as a rookie, if that happens now, he probably wouldn't get a year or two. Yeah, no, I mean, especially the way the rookie contracts are set up now. Yeah. Compared to where they used to be. Like, I was talking to Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan first came in. He had the six-year deal off the bat. I remember that was a nice deal. That's what I'm saying. So it's just obviously very different. You got to really sink or swim at the jump. So from, from the jump. All right, my top 10 quarterbacks. Yeah, give me your top 10. And then I want to follow up with the Jameis question because Jameis and Cam Newton are unsigned and I want to hear what you guys think where they're going to end up. Okay, so I'm going to go. So when I rank, I'm not ranking in order, right? Like just I, 10, I, I, just I can 10 just throw you the 10. No. All right, I got Tom Brady, Steele, Drew Brees, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, that's six. Exactly. Hold on. Let me exactly. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Um, ben Roethlisberger. Um, Can I give you some help? Exactly. Give me some help. <laughs> Deshaun Watson's got to be in the top. Deshaun 10. Watson. Yes, no of course. Deshaun Watson. Uh, that's what? That's eight. Yeah. That's eight. Do you put Do you put Jimmy G in there or Carson Wentz? I don't have Carson in the top 10. I don't have Jimmy Dak, G. Matt Ryan. Did he say Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, you said Aaron Rodgers. I said A-Rod. My problem is I can't recall teams. It's hard just off the top of your head rattling off 10. Okay, so I, I'll, I'll give Matt Ryan arguably the nine. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I said. But you, I will also say I'll have Dak, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, they're all equal. They're all tied for... Kirk Cousins? Where is he? Kirk is like 15. Okay. Because he's right in the middle. He's right in the middle of like... He's not a bottom half guy. He's not the top half guy. He's like... You know what you're getting with Kirk Cousins. And I feel like a lot of those guys are in that, that category. There's like four tiers. Of- there's like Hall of Fame. There's Pro Bowl. Then there's Solid Starter, which is like 10 through 25. And then the bottom seven are teams are trying to p- replace you. Right. So, so legitimately, there's 25 QBs in the NFL that could make the Pro Bowl on any given year and that their team feels that they are a franchise right. quarterback. Okay. So I'll give Matt Stafford the ninth spot. That's, that's good enough. I'm, I'm falling asleep over here. Austin, is Cam Newton still a starter? You, you're an expert because you played against him as well. Oh, man. When he's healthy, he's, he's as good as it gets. I mean, he could... I mean, I saw him in 2016 when he was still, like, able to take, like, 10, 15 carries a game, too. Not not a whole lot you can do. So is that you think the, what the problem is, is that he doesn't have the physical capabilities to take the beating that he's been taking over the years? I think he's still got it, but I don't know for how long. Like, I don't know. Like, he could be, I mean, all I know is when he's on, he's dangerous. Like, yeah. that's it. <laughs> all right. I won't argue. All right. Here, here, here's a question, uh, question to pivot on that. Where do you guys think Cam Newton ends up playing this fall? New England. 
Yep. That's what I was going to say. I would love to see him. Now, I've always hated the Patriots. I've hated Bill Belichick and Tom Brady for what they did to us and they, what they did to the NFL for all those years. But there's a part of me that would be so excited to see Bill Belichick basically take the NFL playbooks and fucking run them through a shredder and come up with something totally new that exemplifies a quarterback who can run and can throw the football and then implement – Cam Newton into that system. All right, yeah, I want to see Cam with the Patriots. I want to see Jameis go to the Raiders um, just because him and David, him and the cars got into it, and I thought that was hilarious, and I think that would be funny to watch uh, them <laughs> battle it out now. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. That Those are my predictions for, for quarterbacks. Cool. All right, I think we should probably let Austin go, but I got uh, one more question for him. We had Alex Mack on last week, and he said that uh, Austin Uber, he's like, I love Austin. He's a little bit of a jokester, a little bit of a trickster. Was there any stories that uh, you have from the Atlanta locker room of either like a joke that you played or a prank or a trick that you played on any one of your teammates that you think would be uh, safe enough, because you could swear on a podcast, safe enough to share with the Tomahawk (laughs) fans and the Tomaflock? Man, no, I wish, I wish there was. I think what he's talking about is uh, good old Alex Mack's uh, Hermosa Beach Fourth of July party. I think that's the one Ooh. he's talking about. Oh. Yeah, well, that was uh, that was a good time for sure. That was a good. You might time. have an animated story here. What happened at the uh, Hermosa Beach beach party? Nothing, man. You know, just drank water, <laughs> drank mm-hmm. water, hung out, hydrate, got my tan. sand footwork videos. That's it. You know. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, we're gonna we're gonna do some investigating reporting on this uh, Hermosa Beach. Party. Uh, Austin, I think we need to have, have a Tomahawk <laughs> podcast down at the Hermosa Beach. Assuming the quarantine is over, the Alex Mack Hermosa do Beach. Like, do like do like barstool style, straight up. Just have yes. have your setup. We'll all just come <laughs> down, just five ten minutes, have an interview, have a beer. Hey. It's a deal. If the quarantine's over, we'll be there. We'll be square. <laughs> All right, Austin, man, we appreciate you joining us here in the Tomahawk, brother. Appreciate you guys for having me. Thanks a lot, man. It was a lot of fun. Best of luck with Cleveland this year, and welcome back anytime, man. Appreciate you. All right, later. All right, well, that does it for the Tomahawk Show, Joe. Uh, For anybody listening, reminder, We'll be back next week for a draft preview show. So, Joe, you will be doing content, but it'll be right here on your favorite platform, The Tomahawk Show. Also, Joe, final thoughts. Yeah, I got uh, two quick things. One, don't forget, Tomahawk Show is still raising money for the Children's Hunger Alliance. So if you've got any extra change laying around, we're trying to raise 100000 for the hungry kids in the Ohio area. So please, Mm -hmm. please, please give what you can. This is a fantastic organization, fully vetted. Uh, it is an outstanding way to be able to give back to people in need during this COVID-19 crisis. But also my uh, happy ending is the Browns new uniform came out this week. The Browns and Mm. the NFL network have been working together. They want to send me a Jersey. And so they asked me, you know, what Jersey do you want? And when we did Tomahawk day at the stadium, I had a Baker Mayfield Mm -hmm. Jersey. I still have it. I love my Baker Mayfield Jersey, but now we got new uniforms. And I said, if you don't send me a damn Joel Batonio jersey, I'm going to fucking burn <laughs> it on social media. So you know what? I was wrong because I want an Austin Hooper jersey because that dude is awesome. He fits so well with what the people of Cleveland want to see playing football. They want to see dudes that understand football, that are going to give great effort, that are going to represent the city of Cleveland well. And you know what? He's a member of the Tomahawk. 
So I'm a huge fan. I cannot wait. I am so excited about the moves that Stefanski and Barry have been doing. And I can't wait. The draft is next week. It's the first sporting event, pseudo sporting event that we've had in this world (laughs) in like six weeks. I am going to predict right now that the ratings are going to be like 10 million because even my grandma that doesn't watch football is going to be watching the (laughs) NFL draft for live, somewhat related to sports activity. It's going to be epic. Are you a part of the draft uh, broadcast? So I was supposed to be full boat next week with NFL Network for the draft. Uh, L.A., Las Vegas, doing all the draft coverage. I was pretty excited about it, right? But since the crazy COVID-19 stuff, it's really up in the air. And we're trying to figure out a way for me to be involved with maybe a few hits. But I don't have the capability of doing live hits from my farmhouse. Mm. And there's some people that have like the home cam that work for NFL network that are able to do some of that stuff. And the people that are in LA can do some of that stuff, but I don't have those capabilities. So I'm not sure what ability I'm going to have to be involved with the draft other than a few hits. So it it remains to be seen. It's fluid, like everything with the situation. Well, we sent you a 4k camera to use for the Tomahawk show. I went to go try to buy it. Logitech was said that they were behind five months on that camera because oh with the God. quarantine, everybody <laughs> has called to order it and it is on back order five months. So you have some capabilities. I'm in the process of building an at-home studio right now, makeshift to get some content out for the draft and beyond. Joe, love you, brother. I would say take us out, but you're no longer my favorite Brown. Austin Hooper, take us out, man. Joe Hawk yourself. Go Browns.